Hello, Happy New Year. It's been a long time since I've spoken to you, but I want to wish you all a Happy New Year. Hope this year goes really great for you and hope you're just filled with all the goodness of the Lord this year. Um, first of all, I want to say hi to my brother Steve because he's upset that I never say hi to him on these videos. So hi, Steve. Hope you're doing good and hope you have a Happy New Year. Well, um, the holiday season like we've just been through, uh, for some people is like a Hallmark movie where everything is just wonderful and everything comes out perfect at the end and everybody feels all huggly-wuggly and, and it's just wonderful. But for others, the holidays can be just full of unrealized expectations and stress and disappointments and loneliness and, and just reminders of grief that they've experienced in their life. Sometimes people have such difficulties during the holidays that they just feel like the walls are all crashing in on them. This, you know, of course can happen at any time of the year, but during the holidays, a lot of times it's just um, magnified. And sometimes it's for real reasons like loss, the loss of a job or loss of a home or family struggles or relationship problems or illness. But for others, it can just be something we just feel. We just feel like the walls are crashing in. It's, there's no apparent reason, but we just feel that way. So today I'm going to talk about what we do, what we should do when we feel like the walls are crashing in on us. And I'd like to give you some help because if you're feeling that way, it's no, no way to feel and it's a miserable place to be. And uh, if you're not feeling that way, maybe you can share this to help someone else who's suffering right now. So I'd like to share this story, look at the story of a man in the Bible who also had the walls crashing in on him many times, but one time in particular. It's a story of David. Now David was anointed by the prophet Samuel as the king of Israel, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And this happened when he was somewhere between 10 and 12 years old. So he was very young when this happened. And um, King Saul, who was king at this time, um, because of his disobedience uh, to the Lord, was tormented by an evil spirit. Not only did Saul have to deal with the depression of being rejected by the Lord because of his disobedience, but he had to deal with his tormenting spirit. So at times, Saul became very melancholy, and he even had passing fits of insanity. And he had lost his personal security and his position with the Lord, and he lost the anointing of the Lord because of his disobedience. And because of this, Saul... Uh, um, sought some kind of relief from this tormenting spirit. And his servant said, you know, maybe if you could find someone to play music for you, it would be soothing to you and it would help you during this time. So Saul went ahead and asked his servants to find someone who could play music for him and possibly deter these fits or, or calm him down when he was having these fits of, of insanity and depression and melancholy. And so one of his servants came up with the name of a lowly shepherd named David. And David had already been anointed king of Israel, but King Saul and his servants didn't know this. And this is what they said about David. I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the harp. 
He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. So David, who was a shepherd, was taken to the courts of the king. David served Saul, and the Bible says that Saul loved David. Whenever David played his harp, the tormenting spirit would leave Saul. So, like I said, Saul didn't know that David had been anointed king. And also, David being taken to the courts of the king had a wonderful opportunity to learn about being a king and how to run a country and how to treat people. He, he uh, developed relationships with people that were in the king's court, so to speak. And the king also made David his armor bearer. The next time we see David is back at his father's house tending the sheep. His oldest brothers were with King Saul in a battle against the Philistines, facing a war with them and with the giant Goliath. So David's father sends David to his oldest brothers to bring them food and nourishment and refreshment. But David, the shepherd, was full of faith and power, and he killed the giant that was tormenting God's army. And in return for that, by King Saul, he was promised a huge reward. He was promised one of Saul's daughters as, uh, as a reward, as a wife, and David's entire family was supposed to be free from taxes. But as far as we know, David did not receive any of these things as payment for his victory. So that's really something, isn't it? But Saul kept young David as a commander of his army, and David was completely loyal to Saul, even though Saul had not fulfilled this grandiose and wonderful promise, and even though David had done this wonderful thing. David was a very successful commander and gave Saul tremendous victories, and he became so popular with the people that Saul, King Saul, became very jealous and very angry that David was more popular. In here in 1 Samuel 18, verses 10 and 11, we find the first time that Saul tries to kill David. Saul tries to kill David, his loyal, uh, brave, full of faith subject. He tries to kill him. Of course, Saul was unsuccessful, but then he appointed uh, David as commander over a thousand men to lead them into battle. And David was very victorious and very successful in battle. So Saul tried to have David killed a second time by promising his daughter in marriage if Saul was successful in a battle with the Philistines. And he didn't think that David would come back alive. And that's why he made that promise. He wanted to have him killed. So David was successful and Saul, King Saul, went again back on his promise, but David remained loyal to the king. Then Saul tried to have David killed a third time by promising another daughter in marriage if he killed a hundred Philistines. Uh, king Saul again did not think that David would come out alive, but David did. And... Uh, David, as he, as he was successful, he was given Michal as uh, a wife, but David, but Saul, King Saul became more and more afraid of David and became a bitter enemy in his heart against David. But David continued to be successful. We see in 1 Samuel 18 that the king tried to have David killed three times, yet David remained loyal to the king. 
Chapter 19 of 1 Samuel starts off with Saul again trying to have David killed. David continued to be a successful commander of Saul's troops. In verse 10, we see Saul tried to kill David again. So can you imagine that, serving someone with your whole heart and, and your leader is trying to kill you continually? Um, after that, after being unsuccessful all those times, Saul planned to arrest David and, and take him captive, but David escaped. Then, to add insult to injury, David's wife lied about him and said that David threatened to kill her. So after this, David went into hiding. It doesn't sound like things are going too well for David. If you have to go into hiding um, from somebody that you've been very loyal to, that's not very good. Then after David went into hiding, there was another attempt on David's life by Saul in chapter 20. And so it continues with David being loyal to the king and to the nation of Israel and Saul trying to have him killed. So David was successful. He had loyal followers, followers, but also lived as a hunted man. Then we come to chapter 30, when David and his men returned to their home uh, to a city called Ziklag. Now, Ziklag had been given to David and his men um, as their own city, their own town, um, where they could live. First uh, Samuel 30, verse 1 says, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now, the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They, were ki they killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and their sons taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. So now we come to a point in David's life where um, what in the world else could go wrong? Um, the walls were just crashing in on David. He was just totally and completely grief-stricken. He was beyond himself. He was beside himself. He was in misery. He was in torment. And he was at a breaking point. He and his men were at a breaking point. Um, they had been doing what they thought was right. <clears throat> and their worst nightmare was happening. It would be like going on a difficult mission trip for years and then coming back to find that your your spouse, your children, your your family, extended family members were all gone. They were all taken hostage by some evil gang in your house, your job, your your possession, your business, everything, everything was completely wiped off the face of the earth. This is what they were dealing with. Um but years later, I mean, years earlier than this, King David had been anointed, or David had been anointed the king of Israel. How can you reconcile all those things when everything was just crashing in on him? Things were not looking good for David. Now let's look what happens next in verse six. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. So all of David's men were turning against him. They were, they were heartbroken, they were bitter, and they were looking at David as the cause of all this. 
But then it says in verse 6, but David found strength in the Lord his God. So David's men became bitter and were making plans to kill David. They let human emotions rage. How many times do we do that when things aren't going right for us and we just let our emotions fly? We just let what would be normal human emotions fly instead of turning to the Lord like David did. But David turned to the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. He had his foundation in the Lord. It was soon after this, that, that uh, this horrible load that David faced, that he be actually became king. He was placed in the position of king after this terrible load. Some, sometimes we don't know by what we're going uh, through at the moment, what might be next, what good thing might be coming next. So David had the walls crashing in on him, but he turned to the Lord and he encouraged himself in the Lord. So you might say, well, how do you encourage yourself in the Lord? How do you do that? You know, many people feel like Psalm 25 in the Old Testament may have been written by David during this time. So this is a really good way to see how David encouraged himself in the Lord. So I'm going to read that to you. Psalm 25, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in the Lord or in you will ever be put to shame, but they will put be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways according to your love. Remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All of the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then is the man that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. He will spend his days in prosperity and his descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have multiplied. Free me from my anguish. Look upon my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how my enemies have increased and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, for my hope is in you. So we see how David encouraged himself in the Lord and how we can encourage ourselves in the Lord. First of all, he prayed. He turned to the Lord and started talking to the Lord. He told the Lord how distressed he was how miserable he was, how hurt and, 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 and fearful he was. He looked at the Lord instead of his circumstances, and he worshiped the Lord. He reminded himself over and over again of the Lord's goodness. He put his life 
in the Lord's hands and asked the Lord for direction and help. He reminded, him, reminded himself of the covenant that he has with God. He spoke words of faith about God's love, his goodness, and his faithfulness. If we look at verse uh, 13, it's, he says, he will spend his days, he's talking about himself, he will spend his days in prosperity and his descendants will inherit the land. When he said that, he didn't even know if his descendants were even alive, but he was speaking words of faith and that's what we need to do to encourage ourselves. So this is how we encourage ourselves in the Lord and how we can deal with tragedy and feeling like everything is falling in on us. We just turn to the Lord, we pray, we we tell him how we feel, we remind ourselves of God's goodness, the covenant that we have with him, all the promises that we have. Um, we ask for God's direction and his guidance. And we put ourselves, our, our whole life into the Lord's hands. You know, we can choose to be like David's men and become disloyal, full of bitterness, complaining, backbiting, and we can be full of hate and we can do all that, or we can turn to the Lord. We find that David received direction from God and was able to rally his troops and get back their families and all that they had lost. So I just encourage you today, when you feel like you can't get a break, when bad things keep piling up on you on top of each other, just one thing on top of the other, and feel things feel like they're getting just worse and worse, I encourage you to turn to the Lord. Put your hope in him. Encourage yourself in the Lord and find strength in him. I just encourage you to open the book of Psalms and start uh, praying the prayers that David prayed and singing the songs that he, he wrote in the book of Psalms. Psalm 42 is another psalm that's written in great distress, but, but David puts his hope in the Lord. So I just encourage you to read that too. And, and in closing, I just want to read this scripture to you. It's in 1 Peter 5, verse 6. And this is what we need to do when, we, when we're in trouble, when we're having difficulties. It says, humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And he sure did do that for David, didn't he? Cast all your anxiety, all your worry, all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And we can see in David's men that they were letting the devil devour them with bitterness and hate. But David didn't do that. He stood upright before the Lord. He knew his enemy and he was going to turn to the Lord and not succumb to the wiles of the devil. Resist the devil, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are un undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You know, a lot of times when things start crashing in on us and piling up on us, we feel like we're the only person that has it that bad, but there's people all around the world that are, are, are suffering with you, suffering worse than you, and we just need to find encouragement in that the Lord is there for us all. In verse 10, And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. After you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. What a wonderful promise we have from the Lord that if we turn to him and cast our care upon him and humble ourselves before him, that he will make us strong, firm, and steadfast. 
and that it ends to him be the power forever and ever. Amen. So in 2022, I want us all to turn to Jesus, keep him first, uh, always have him as your Lord, your master, your savior, learn his words and follow his words, and he will make you successful and he will make you strong. Bye-bye.